Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You're listening to Griefcast with me, Carrie Adloyd. How do we grieve for someone? How does it change and evolve as we get older? My dad died when I was 15 and it took me many, many years to be able to express what I had gone through. So I decided to create Griefcast, a chance to talk, share and laugh about the weirdness of grief and death. But with comedians, so it's not that depressing, I promise. Each time I talk to a different comedian about their own personal experience of grief as we remember someone that they have lost along the way. Whether it was a long time ago or you've just joined the club, this is a chance to talk about the peculiar human process of death. Welcome to Griefcast. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, Greasters. Welcome back to Series 4. Thank you so much for joining me again. Uh, It is hugely appreciated if you're new. Hi, welcome. How are you? Um, I hope you had an okay Christmas and New Year. And I know that time of year is really painful for a lot of us, but I hope it was okay. I had a nice time. I went to a different country. That always helps. No memories. (laughs) Um, And it was actually very nice. And uh, it's February. That's exciting. It means it's getting a little bit lighter. It's getting a little tiny bit warmer in England where I am living. And it feels just a little bit nicer. Um, Thank you so much for your wonderful tweets and emails and messages um, while we were away. It was hugely appreciated. Honestly, just always so lovely to hear from you all. Um, If you haven't already, feel free to rate and review and subscribe as every podcast tells you. It's much appreciated. If you're new, just wait wait till you listen to the episode. Don't have to do it now unless you just feel like already I'm happy. Already I'm in and I like it. Great review but if you're brand new you might think no i'll I'll wait till i'm you know into the bit and you know feel free to just listen to you know just listen to all of it see how you feel i'd really appreciate it uh if you don't already you can follow us on twitter at the Griefcast and on instagram which i'll be honest guys i'm more over there more because i've taken twitter off my phone at the Griefcast as well uh we're over there uh tweeting and instagramming things about grief which is as this podcast cheerier than it sounds anyway on with the show. This week I'm talking to stand-up comedian and writer Lucy Porter. Lucy is an incredible stand-up. She's appeared on oh everything. She's appeared on everything, guys. QI, Mock the Week, Never Mind the Buzzcocks, you name it. She's done it. She's had her own Radio 4 series. She's written for people. She's just one of the loveliest and most brilliant and incredibly funny people that I think is working at the moment. If you get a chance to see her live, 100% go and do it. Lucy came in to talk to me about a series of bereavements she went through over three years, uh, her mother-in-law, her father and her mother. Welcome to Griefcast. I'm here today with stand-up and writer Lucy Porter. Hello. Hello. I'm so excited to have you here. <laughs> it's so lovely to be here and I've enjoyed listening to the podcast so much. Thank you, and, Lucy. Um, Yes, and I cry a lot when I'm listening. So I <laughs> so we're ready. Well, I have some tissues. I'll be, you'll hear the sound of rustling, and that's fine. It's the place I feel like it's like comedians are always like, oh, now I'm 
because we're so used to being like, oh, my job is to be funny. And then this is a place where it's like, oh, it's okay, don't worry. Don't. I mean, I've cried on stage before. Like, so I, did, I have cried on stage. When did you cry on stage? I, well, because I have talked about my mum dying on stage. Right. And oh, I wow. did it in hindsight a little bit too soon. Uh, yeah. And thought, this would be fine because, you know, I just yeah. want to share everything. And I'm a very, because I'm quite a confessional sort of comic and everything. And so, yeah, I got up on stage and it's so, it's such a sort of horrible but lovely thing to realise that the audience are all so on your side. Yeah. But, I mean, I just felt so awkward because it wasn't like, I wasn't in control. And I think if you're on stage, yeah. both you and the audience are right to expect that you're the one in charge. <laughs> and it really didn't feel like that. And, it, I, you know, at the end people were coming up and hugging me. Aww. And it was lovely on a human level. Yeah. But on a comic level... <laughs> Unprofessional, really, really awful. Yeah, was it like we were at like jonglers or something? <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. Christmas gig at jonglers. Yeah, it was one of the tight twenty loose. Not sure yes. what you went for there. It's so. Hard I was to... crying in a Santa hat. You know, that would be the worst. Is when I did cry on telly um, last year. I was on a. Now, when you think of all the programs you're going to cry, and you're yeah. probably going to think it's like you know who do you think you are or something. Yeah. Um, celebrity storage hunters. <laughs> Celebrity storage hunters. I went on and... Oh, my God. Um, so this is when you have to guess what's like... Yeah, looking. they have a load of storage containers. Yeah. And a man called Sean Kelly yes. does this thing where he goes... Bid, blah, 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 yeah. as, he, as an auctioneer and he, he, you bid on these storage containers and then you get to have a look at what you've won. Yeah. And so I was on a programme with loads of other comics, uh, lovely people, and uh, I hadn't bid on anything because I'm very nervous and yeah. very... I, 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 like, it makes me anxious and he sort of pressure like an auction situation so it got to the final container and I had all my money left yeah. and I thought well I'm just going to have to go all out so I went yes £9,000 <laughs> please for this storage container and anyway it turned out to contain a load of bikes and it was the most valuable one. Oh wow so I kind of won the show oh <laughs> effectively my by being slow and steady timid. wins the race guys yeah it turns out you know you can you can turn things around and um Anyway, so it was not a huge amount of money in the great scheme of yeah, things, yeah. but it was for the Lost Foundation, who are a wonderful charity who um, help people who have loved ones who've died of cancer. And so I, anyway, started talking about what um, they did and um, just started getting quite emotional. But the oh. worst thing about it was that because what I'd won was bikes, they had dressed me up in a sort of cycling <laughs> outfit and I had a cycling helmet with a pink princess crown oh my God. on top. And I'm like a 45-year-old woman in a pink princess crown on a bike, weeping. And it's the most... They they gift it as well. Oh, and they said, they said, oh, you, you could put this gif out on Twitter. And I was like, no, I'm never, ever doing no, that. No, it's one of my most vulnerable moments. Yeah. Twitter was bad enough without... <laughs> I'm going to add in one of my most vulnerable emotions. But I think that's really... Um, that to me is like the heart of comedy because like there you are wearing a silly costume and a silly hat but being so emotionally vulnerable like that's the comedy I love so much <laughs> when I'm like oh I'm in pain but I'm really also enjoying this visually yeah yeah like, well, it's I think really a, funny like I mean I've always really liked that as well and it's it comes in and out of fashion though doesn't it yeah. vulnerability in comedy it's quite fashionable at the moment yeah isn't it it's yeah. quite sort of truthful confessional comedy mm. especially in the sort of sitcom world it feels like yeah you can can't have anything that hasn't got a bit of pathos in yeah, it. Yeah, a bit of pathos, a bit of truth, or a bit where you find out the writer, that was really their life. Yeah, They love yes. authenticity in the voice, is what they keep calling it. It's like, oh, oh yeah. I know, where in, then you sort of swing back and go, no, now all I want is some mothers do have them, or, <laughs> you know, that, it's nice to have it for a bit. Because I remember when I started doing comedy, and um, it wasn't, it was all very blokes in suits yeah, and it was like you yeah, know you'd be on a suits. bill and everyone would be talking about shagging and oh my yeah. god I was wanking the other day and this <laughs> and um and I, I sort of found that not entirely always to my taste yeah. I mean I know that that is very reductive and there are brilliant stand-ups yeah. who do just but I remember because I remember you starting because I loved comedy so much and I remember being like oh I look obviously you're like oh my god a woman a lady <laughs> a lady and I do remember it it gone from being very alternative to like you said suddenly very shiny and glossy yeah and you'd gone from having like men who weren't necessarily that attractive <laughs> talking about weird stuff to like these very shiny men being like yeah yeah well and everyone was wearing a um, suit I'm disgusting. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. It was. Yeah, it sort of felt a bit seventies-ish yeah, again to yeah. me. Um, 
and yeah and then I sort of felt like the dolly bird <laughs> sometimes which is you know not the stereotype you want to um, fall into but um, it was yeah kind of interesting there because of course whenever that is happening there are always the bubblings and undercurrents of a, yeah, yeah. Of a reaction to that so like when I started on the circuit in Manchester there were people like Johnny Vegas uh, yeah, and yeah. the absolute rawness of Johnny Vegas's yeah. set and it was all about childhood unhappiness and grief and rejection yeah. and poverty and it was just brilliant and yeah I think I've always slightly gravitated towards that and I think yeah. the the bits of my comedy that I look back on and regret have been <clears throat> the sort of bits where I've been more technique focused mm. or I, I look back on some of the stuff I did and I think, God, it was actually quite cruel and quite unpleasant. And um, I kind of, I don't, I can't really justify it now. Yeah. It's just sort of that was the way it was. And I think it's hard. It's hard to... when, it's, like you said, that it's like that was the pond. Like the pond was quite cruel and unpleasant. Yeah. So you have to get into the pond. <laughs> yeah. We, you're trying to be in the pond. And you're that's... trying to survive in the pond. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you do have to have a certain amount there is has to be a certain amount of edge sometimes, but I think as long but then as you I think can there then... are people who always keep their head above the pond. I you know, see. and I, I do felt think like that. I do regret that I didn't stick a bit more to my non-pond. Uh, <laughs> Let's go with this metaphor. Let's keep... I wish I hadn't but... kept my land legs slightly more. Um... <laughs> yeah, but it's but I know what you mean because I've I've equally sometimes looked at stuff and thought God I'd never say that now, but then it's oh, it's just very I think again it's so everything's so subtle and nuanced of like. At the time, you weren't saying the worst thing. That doesn't mean it's okay, but yeah. like you were somehow, it didn't seem so bad in context with the other things that were being said. And you were not completely going down that road. You were sort of, you know, your head yes. was, your forehead was above the pond. <laughs> so that's good that some people were like, oh, I kind of. So maybe you led people out of the pond. I think maybe I was one because, of the Because, you know, first. you don't, you can't, everyone can't be Johnny Vegas being like, I'm doing this extreme thing. Yeah, so you have to sort of go, yeah. well, where am, what's my place in it? Like, I'm helping people. Who yes. maybe think, oh, I hate that. Like, oh, maybe I would like some vulnerability and some. Yes, softness. I will take a small part of vulnerability yeah, yeah. in my jongler's Christmas gig. <laughs> exactly. Will, yeah. Well, I no, think you you're. A I was one of the first amphibians. Up. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> well, we mentioned her already, but who are we remembering today, Lucy? Well, largely my mum. Largely your mum. Um, we. I mean, this is going to be a sort of a weird one for me because the so my husband and I had a weird few years where my mother-in-law died in January 2015 right and then my dad died in February 2016 and then my mum died in May 2017 so oh lordy it was quite a yeah um, a few years for our family and so I mean it's 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 been, yeah, just a sort of really weird period of... Because also there was illness leading up to mm. that. And, um, and so my mother-in-law had been ill for a little while. My dad had been ill for quite a long time. But then my mum was a very sudden, oh, unexpected death. And so I feel like we've experienced three very different yeah. deaths in a short space of time. I do... The awful thing, and this is sort of grimly funny, is that my... Um, my kids genuinely said to my remaining, uh, their remaining grandparent, my father-in-law, they said, oh, Grandpa, is it your turn to die this year? Because they had, they'd seen a pattern emerging, which was awful. We were like, no, no, no. It doesn't, we don't take it in turns. It's fine. But I and then you're also thinking, of... but please don't do that. But please don't make the pattern continue. Yeah, no, continue. that would be... A, a that's so awful. sweet, though, because obviously they've seen, they go, oh, maybe that's what happens. Yeah, and like, I felt terrible for them because yeah. I thought, God, they're so inured to death now yeah. in a way like by the time my mum died it did feel like you know they've seen a lot of illness and death and I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing and I think only time will tell really yeah I, d I have to say I don't I think it's a sad thing yeah I don't think it's good or bad no. I think it's just it's You're just right. sad yeah and it's it's sad that you know they're not around to see them more but I I read this study recently which was saying like you know it's something like 24 percent of people experience significant grief by this before they're 18 mm -hmm. now don't quote me on that because I was half reading an email but um <laughs> it was something like that's actually way higher than people estimated so yeah. I think sometimes we think like oh poor them was actually like actually it's quite normal yeah. and it's life and maybe it's good that they have it now because you I, I feel sorry for the people who are 35 and like still got four grandparents still got all their parents and, yeah. the, and I think oh you've got no idea yes, <laughs> you've yes. got no idea what's going to hit you yeah it's actually if you you know that's the natural way isn't it like you lose your grandparents and yeah. you lose your older, you lose other people and it's like 
that's the way of life. Well, it is. I mean, yeah, because I think I had a sort of a spurt of death from eight when my grandma died till about 14. Mm. And then a little bit of death, not much death. And then... You know, a, 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 big a long period, actually. Oh, that lifelong period of yeah. calm. Yeah, <laughs> and it does, I do look back and I think, gosh, yeah, I just had no idea, really. Yeah. That, um, and then, you know, this sort of intense period of, of, of grief for a few years, of you know, recently. So what were your, what was your mum's name? So Rita. Oh, I love Rita. Rita Gertrude. Gert, oh. if we were trying to upset her, we'd say, all right, Gertie. Oh, <laughs> I love that name. I know, it's a lovely... It's well, my daughter, before my mum died, actually, my daughter was born, luckily, and so uh, my daughter is Rita, Emily Rita Juliet. So That's she's very got beautiful. Both, yeah, both. So my mother-in-law oh. is Juliet, so... Oh, Rita and Juliet. I just think some of these names, I know they're all coming back. I like Rita a lot. I know Rita Aura has done that. Oh, yeah, yeah, the, she's uh, done that. Rita Bring calls, but I've always liked her. I've always thought yeah, it's, it's a nice. beautiful name. It's beautiful. Juliet was the most amazing mother-in-law and a saint amongst women, as anyone who knew her would attest. And she had had breast cancer um, some time ago and we were on holiday the March before she died and she'd we were in Mallorca and she suddenly sort of felt a bit unwell and her voice went and she was like, I haven't got a sore throat but my voice has gone and anyway then we came back and um, her breast cancer had returned and <clears throat> she had treatment but sadly um, she died in the following January. Wow. Which was, yeah, really... Uh, because she was such an amazing person and, I mean... The absolutely wonderful, blessed thing about my husband's family and mine is that there have been no major fallings out. Or, That's good, yeah. Yeah, so it was just one of those sort of perfectly undiluted times of everyone is just purely sad mm. and helping each other and, you know, but the, her, her community, because she lived in this little village and she was a stalwart of the church, and so it was sort of... Yeah, it was incredibly beautiful, like, how many people had been touched by her and she did loads of voluntary work and she, you know, she just so obviously had touched loads of people's yeah, lives yeah. and so everyone came back together to remember her and it was, um, yeah, it was really a beautiful village funeral and everything, so... So that's the the first big grief for a while. Yeah. And then you said, it was your dad... Oh, what's your dad's name? And Morris. Morris. Morris oh. Valentine. No, stop it with these names. I know, named after his mother was a fan of Rudolph Valentino, so oh she God. stuck in. And my dad, so my dad was from uh, Northern Ireland. He was born in Belfast, and his dad was in the RUC, but was Catholic, which even in the 30s when my dad was born was unusual. Yeah, and yeah. came to be even more so. So my dad had a very um, sort of... Yeah, they moved a lot in his childhood because obviously being RUC, you have mm. to be stationed away from where the family were and then he had to move. So um, he had this, and they were by no means well off at all. And he had this incredibly exotic middle name for yeah. which he was teased. <laughs> I was going to say, I bet that was tough. In Northern yes. Ireland being Maurice Valentine. Educated by the Christian brothers who used to beat you up apparently wow. for next to nothing. So having a, a fancy <laughs> middle name I think was probably, probably enough. grounds enough. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so, but yeah, Maurice was 91 when he died. Wow. So he had had a good innings yeah, as yeah. The, the cliche goes. So... My mother-in-law's death, I was slightly kind of cushioned from it because we, our children were very young at the time, so mm. my husband was going down to um, Southampton, Hampshire, where they live. And I mean, I didn't get to see much of my mother-in-law, really, when she was dying, which in some ways, is personally for me, is a source of regret. But I think, you know, it was obviously the right thing for her and for the kids and everything. Um, but my dad was ill for a long time mm. and... Had had a really difficult last ten years of his life, really. So, what did he? What was? Is it eventually? Cancer no, eventually he had had cancer twice, recovered from the cancer. He eventually died. I think the official cause of death was pneumonia, but it was right. um, COPD, so uh, respiratory right. problems, basically. Yeah. But I mean, he'd he so defied the odds. He was absolutely wow. incredible. So he'd had cancer 
he'd had mouth cancer and bowel cancer and he had both the tips replaced and then wow. they both went well one of them went funny and then he had to have his hip redone but then he got an infection in the hip and now I'm going to tell you this and if you are of a sensitive disposition, <laughs> do not listen because okay. it was so grim. So his hip got an infection, so they just took out his hip. Mm-hmm. And he lived with no hip what? for about six months. How is that possible? Well, it, it's not, I mean, it's not easy. <laughs> where do the legs where Yeah, do I know, go? isn't it? And you just think of all the, because yeah. I was like, how can you even move slightly yeah. without it being... Isn't your like, thigh bone just like, what am I doing? Yeah, like, everything was just hanging around. Yeah. Oh my the, God. So that was um, extraordinarily hard. And I, I mean, he was just so incredibly strong. And I think... Because he had had quite a tough child, you know, the classic thing yeah. of they walked 15 miles to school every day and <laughs> yeah. they never had meat and they were... <laughs> so um, he was just remarkably strong yeah. and he used to... I mean, he never missed a day's work in his life and he did admittedly smoke 60 a day for quite a long period right. of his life. Yes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. he's one of those terrible people that you... You know, when people say, well, smoking never did my dad any yeah, harm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, it really did. It did kill him in the end, yeah. but it did take a long time. So, yeah, he's unfortunately one of those people that people hold up as well. He lived to 91. He was all right, yeah. <clears throat> but, um, yeah, so it had been really hard. And my poor mum had been... Was like, your mum kind of carer, yeah. And, uh, you know, again, I sort of look back and I think, God, I wish... Yeah, my sisters and I sort of tried to do as much as we could, but then my mum was very so keen that we didn't compromise our lives or yeah. you know she kept from us a lot of the time just how awful it was I think so we did end up helping a bit but um but yeah and then it was just the awfulness of his last couple of years is something that I do feel you know I want to do something about it but I don't know what Carrie mm. just it's so hard because I see this now with friends of mine who are going through the same thing with very elderly parents that they go to hospital all the time yeah and then it's huge pressure on the NHS and they kind of then get sent home from hospital because they need the bed but they're not really ready to go yeah. back home and like for my mum it was always like, oh god you know he's coming home and the, the and social services are so restricted with their funding oh, that they can't so trying hard yeah. and I mean, you, know, you just think god to be a social worker now oh i know the most thankless difficult underpaid job in the world and they really do try and they were so because they sort of give you little hints about mm. um well, if this were happening, then you might be able yeah, to access them. Yeah. And like lots of people also who'd been through the system would suggest little ways that you could lie or just embellish the truth to kind of get... Yeah. No, not in terms of, you know, it wasn't like no, we just didn't to want to pay. The, the it was just you need something, or the something yeah. you need. Because I know there's all these boxes you have to tick and if you, they yeah. can say, you haven't ticked these boxes, but you don't need any help. And then you're looking at someone, you're like, I mean how the fuck are we going to do this without the help? Yeah, And, yeah, the whole system is kind of so on its knees that Mm. it is very difficult. And because my mum also was so honest and principled, and those are things that I think are absolutely right. And so she would never, ever say... Because I'd say, look, we're going to have to say that you can't cope because that's the only way that we're going to get And that's the truth of it. And the truth is you're not coping and it is very difficult. But she was so stoic and she'd always say, oh no, but you know, there might be other people who need it more than us, Luce. And you know, what if, what if there's someone who's really struggling? And I was like, oh mum, you are really struggling. You are struggling, you just don't know you are. Yeah. Yeah. But, but you know, she did, yeah. I mean, she was amazing. And so it was all the sadder really. So my dad died this awful protracted hospital nightmare death and so the only sort of comfort that we had was that we thought well at least it will be a chance for mum to kind of have a little bit of after 10 years really of being a a carer that she can have some nice time on her own and um you know and we were like we're gonna take her to Disneyland (laughs) not that she would have wanted to go but we just do some stuff that's fun and not about caring exactly yeah and I think that is really hard but then sadly she we sort of got 
we were selling the house that they'd been living in and then um, she came to stay with us for a while but she didn't really want to live with us so she which is understandable <laughs> yeah <laughs> who would uh, even my kids don't <laughs> and um, so we got her a little um, retirement flat around the corner from us and it was lovely with a nice this really nice woman Anne who was the warden and Aww. we met all the neighbours and they were really lovely and so we moved her in and two weeks later she had a massive stroke and died um, which obviously for us mm. completely devastating and uh, really hard but we did the phone round of all her friends and every almost every single one of them all the friends her age when we said listen mum died suddenly in her sleep last night um, they all said oh god lovely oh oh mm. good for her you know and you, it was sort of a great comfort at that point to think actually you know it's it's what everyone would want it's funny, isn't it? Yeah, because my my I don't talk about it a lot, but actually my first grief was my mum's parents who died a year before my dad. <laughs> my poor mother oh, lost yes. both her parents and then her husband. Oh gosh! But my granddad died. I think he had a stroke. Sorry, mum. And then again, they were selling the house, and they were they'd found my granny this house around the corner, and it was like we're going to be okay. Two weeks later, she died, oh, and yes. the doctor said like she had organ failure, like it literally and. Her, my mum and her two brothers were like, she didn't want to have a life without him. Yeah. You know, she didn't. And mm. she went fast. <laughs> she was like, two weeks, I'm done. I'm out of here. Gosh, I think it is. mum, that is really hard. I think that? it's common. I think it's more common than we yeah. sometimes talk about. Mm. That actually, for you as a child, I can imagine being like, this is great. We've got you this next bit of life. Yeah. And I can totally imagine being one going, I don't want it. No. <laughs> I don't want a new bit of life. I have to get to know the neighbours and do this and decorate a house. Yeah. I've done that. Yeah. And so she died in her sleep, essentially. Yes. Well, and I didn't find her. We had, um, because she'd moved into this new place and I decided that I was going to get someone who would sort of come in and because, you know, I was going around every day mm. and I was like, I can't really work and do this. Yeah, yeah. So I'd found this really lovely woman, Orla, who was going to come in and do a bit of cleaning and have a chat and just kind yeah, of, you know... check she's all check right. she was fine. So Orla was due to start work at 10 o'clock on Wednesday morning. And I was doing... I was off on the tube or something. And so I got... When my phone turned back on, had a message from Orla saying, oh, look, your mum's not here. And I was like, look, mum is prone to just go off and she's mm. probably gone to Tesco or something. She'll be, she'll be back, don't worry. Um, and then I went back on the tube again and then by the time I came out there were more messages and then I phoned Orla's phone but it was off and then phoned my mum's phone and the paramedic answered it and said oh, I'm my sorry goodness. your mum uh, died in the night but I just I mean again the awful sort of grim humour of it but poor Orla because it was like imagine your first day at work that was her first day that was her first oh, no. day oh, and God. she and so this oh, woman who God. I had had I mean I'd had a, a, a coffee with her like I'd spent two hours chatting to her and I told her all about mum and everything and she'd come round and met mum Yeah. but this was her first sort of day of starting oh. and so she'd had to go and get Anne the warden and then they'd had to go in and the oh, whole thing oh my God um, but uh, and and Orla was amazing. So given that she doesn't really know me, I don't really know her. Yeah. She's the person there on the scene, and she and Anne, this warden, you know, held me as I was crying, and they helped me with all the coroner stuff until my sister arrived. And so it was, you know, amazing what she That's did. That's kind of but... odd because you kind of did hire the right person. Yes, do you know what I mean? You yes. hired the right person for to be there at that the point you really needed her to be. That's I know. funny, I mean, isn't it? Who would have known just like how if, if you just hired like a lady who's like, oh, I don't need to meet her, she's going to clean, that's it. But yeah. you, you spoke to someone, you told her the whole situation, yeah. so she knew that you and your family. Yes. I <laughs> know, oh, well, that's it, because she was saying, well, do you need to phone Sally? And I was like, how do you know my sister's... <laughs> oh, God, yeah, because we had the chat. Yeah. And she'd remembered it all, and she was amazing. Wow. And we're still in touch, which is the nice thing, because I sort of felt... that's amazing. Um, yeah, so we go for coffee every now and then, and uh, she's lovely. She's really nice. Wow. Um, but again, you know, I do think, and it is very easy to, um, you know, like you were saying, oh, you know, like someone decides that they don't necessarily want to go on mm. or that this is not. But with my mum, it does feel like spookily, mm. like, you know, so the the one day that it wasn't going to be me who went round to of find course, her. Of course, yeah. Like that. 
is quite I even put that together. Any other time in it would the have intervening been period, it would definitely have been me. Who so she also it. knew you'd set somebody up. Yeah. To make sure it wasn't going to be you yeah. finding it. I, I mean, the more I do this show, the more... I, it's not like you have a choice, but I think... And I think sometimes people don't, and some people are fighting it. But I do think sometimes... Sometimes the door is there. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how to put it in mm. where it doesn't sound mad. Yes. <laughs> but like, I think with like my mum said, my granny, she was like, she wanted to go. Mm. She like, they, my mum, my brothers were like, we got you this great home, you know, and you'll, you'll be, my granny didn't really like people. Mm-hmm. She liked my granddad. She yes. didn't really like, she, my granddad was really social and I like, loved talking to him. My granny was like, she just wanted my granddad, a cup of tea, Nelson the cat, called Nelson because he only had one eye. And like, <laughs> she didn't want anything else. And so the idea to have, like, moving to a retirement home, people, she, like, you can see she was absolutely dreading it. Like, yeah. And my mum was like, she didn't want it. She mm. just didn't want, didn't want to be here without him. Yeah. And the same, again, I talk about the show, my grandpa, my dad's dad died six months after my dad died. And everybody was like, he just didn't want to be here. Yeah. He was like, no, he checked out. It really felt like he was like, no. Yeah. Not, not doing this if that can happen. Yeah. And I think it's not, it's not as simple as, like, you can go, right, Goodbye, everybody. No. <laughs> because otherwise, you know, we, we you'd like, have more control over it. Yeah, but I do think, yeah. It would yeah, be great if you could, yeah. There's some, there is, like you said, there's some spooky, weird thing that your mum knew you wouldn't find her, knew yeah. someone else would be there. And everything had been sort of sorted out with, you know, because we've been trying to sell their house, which has taken ages. Yeah, and really, yeah. <clears throat> so it did, but I mean, also, the, because they did an autopsy, because she died not in hospital, um, but they said that she'd had vascular dementia, like, quite badly. Wow. And they were like, oh, it must have, you must have known. And in hindsight, yeah, I was yeah. Like, oh, yeah, you know, she really was not herself. And, wow. of course, we were thinking, well, that's grief yeah, and yeah. age and... But I think she was really unwell for quite a long time. But God. she was so good at hiding it and we yeah. also just didn't pick up on it. And also because you're, we've had this before, like when one other parent is very, very sick, this happened on Adam Rich's episode. His dad had dementia so severely and was very sick in a home and had quite a traumatic death at the home that by the time dad died, they turned around and were like, oh, mum's got dementia. Yeah, and like people hadn't, yeah, she'd yeah. been caring. Yeah. And I think... Yeah, it's funny what you can cover up because there's something that's so massive happening. Yeah. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome back to Griefcast with Carrie Ad Lloyd. The thing was that my mum, because my dad was so ill, and but it was quite repetitive, and mm. so actually in terms of her memory or sort of noticing that she wasn't sort of functioning quite as she should have been, I think because everything was so chaotic yeah, yeah. and weird, but, you know, she just had to sort of get up and get dressed and and sort of function at a basic level while... Everything, all the chaos kind of went on. I don't know, yeah, it's a weird thing that we didn't really notice. But I think it 
it's taken us a while to to feel okay about yeah. the fact that you know we sort of felt like we were going to do all this stuff there and now we haven't had the chance yeah. there's, there's a little bit of a sort of selfishness in there where you go oh this was going to be my chance to show what an amazing daughter I was <laughs> <laughs> I've been waiting yeah I, I had like good plans and a trip maybe been more helpful the bit before yeah. but you know this was I think we sort of all had this beautiful vision of it was going to be doing fun stuff for all of us. Yeah. And that, whereas actually the reality is, I feel like we should have been a bit more helpful in the bit where it wasn't glamorous and fun and exciting. Mm. But I mean, my sister was really good. I think I just, I, I do definitely, I've got a bit of lingering guilt that I need to deal with about sort of I, my... Yeah, I don't think anyone doesn't. No. I think that's just grief. It's yeah. just because of course, once someone's really gone, mm. you can't help but go... I could have done that, couldn't I? Because by the time you're dealing with your dad being sick, you're dealing with the grief of a mother-in-law and a father. Like that's yeah, yeah, that yeah. clouds your judgment. That makes you feel, oh, I don't feel like getting up. I don't feel like doing this. Like there's there's so many other things. But when someone is gone, gone, that you start going, oh yeah, I suppose I could have. I still have it. My dad. There's still things like, oh yeah, I could have gone in and asked that question, couldn't I? It's just. But then, oh, you know, like, it's life, isn't it? Like, yeah. other things happen and you'd have to be a complete saint. Yeah, well, think... even, like, my mum, who was practically a yeah. saint, when my dad died, she felt terribly guilty and we were all, you know, very... Well, actually, in hindsight, quite impatient with her. Mm. Oh, for God's sake, you know, if anyone could have... Yeah, you, know, you yeah. did everything you, did you could possibly have done. Yeah. But, yeah, I think you're right. It's just a sort of inevitability that you feel. Yeah, I think it's just, like you said, even if your mum felt guilty after what sounds like she literally did everything yes. possible, yes. then I think it comes from because you can't say to them, oh, sorry. Yeah. And they can't go, oh, don't be silly. Yeah, yeah, So you yeah. this feeling of, like, oh, I want them to say... Don't be silly. You did everything. You did fun things. Like I'm sure your mum would say to you, "Don't be silly, Lucy." Like we did have fun. We did. You were there, yes. but you want to sort of test it and be like, "Why is? Yeah. You know, oh, I feel bad, but nobody comes back with, I still love you.' <laughs> so you're like, well, because oh. all the memories that you have, yeah, are they, the, you know, because they are fun, but they they wouldn't maybe objectively look like fun to outside people because it isn't Disneyland fun, and yeah, it is. Yeah. So it would be just like, oh, do you remember that day when she broke her hip when Dad was ill and she came to stay with us for a, a few weeks, and um, we had the most hilarious time because she was on codeine <laughs> oh, yeah. and she'd never taken anything in her life before, <laughs> and she did sort of. She said at one point, she was like, "Why did I not take drugs sooner?" Because <laughs> she was giddy, and we like yeah. so we went to the park, and I was trying having to try and stop her because she was on a Zimmer frame <laughs> because her that she had to put weight on the hip yeah. to her pelvis actually said so she should put weight on it, and she was zooming off on the Zimmer frame <laughs> on codeine, absolutely delighted. She's like, "Oh, that everything looks so beautiful." Beautiful. The colours are amazing, <laughs> and um, and she ended up. She got um, there were some builders who she we went out for a walk, um, and I did this in my stand up. So I'm going to try and not. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to do the stand up yeah, routine. Worry. I'm going to just tell the story. But yeah, she went off um, for a walk when she was getting much better, and she was on a Zimmer frame, and she got a bit lost uh, in Pinner where we live. <laughs> and she so she went up to some builders and said, "Look, I, I'm trying to get back to my daughters, but I've got a bit lost." And these builders are really sweet, and they said, "Look, we'll um, we'll give you a lift back because it's." It was the end of the day. They were like, we're just packing Aww. up. And so, but they put her on, they had like a flatbed truck. <laughs> and so they put her on the back. They what? got her on. I know, right? Because they couldn't get, they were like, well, to get her into the cab, Gosh. she would have had to go up all these stairs. Oh, they see. had a ramp. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So they got her up the ramp with a zimmer frame and they got her onto the back and they had like a little bench. <laughs> And it was just the funniest thing because she came back. <laughs> oh my god! In a flat, delivered <laughs> by these. Um, and it, yeah, I had a stand-up routine all about the you know the neighbours watching and stuff, which I was be. But it was. Um, but we had some really you know, she she did get a lot of enjoyment out of life. Yeah. I think, and you know, she was really cheerful and she was very upbeat. And I think she did have actually. She so loved my dad, and it had been so hard. Like yeah. the way that he died was so brutal. But she did kind of keep her sense of humour through all of that. And in fact, because her sense of humour became a lot more cruel, and now we think, oh, that was probably the dementia, because yeah. apparently it's a, you know, a common thing is that you lose some of your inhibitions or whatever. Um, but so when Dad was dying, she did occasionally come out with stuff, because Dad was on a um, respiratory ward, mm. and it was awful. So there was six beds, and... Um, 
you know, just open ward and it was everyone yeah. knows each other's business and it being respiratory, everyone's like, <gasps> and the, like the cacophony oh, God, of noise. Yeah. It was so grim. And, um, but we used to sit there and we were there for like weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. And um, the people who came to visit all the other people, she was really quite cruel about them. <laughs> <laughs> but it was really, because it was, there was one guy lovely guy who didn't really have any family mm. so you know you sort of feel like because everyone else would have family coming yeah. in and out and we were there practically the whole time and there was this one guy who had no one came to visit him and so you know we'd go and sit and chat to him every now and then but there was one neighbor who would come in once a week and god love this neighbor had got the bus and oh. really made an effort to yeah. make a good neighbor but the neighbor would sit there and um just recount them all the misery of the world <laughs> right <laughs> And had a really unfortunate monotony. It was like, oh, there's a fox dead behind your bins. <laughs> I mean, I've told the council, but they probably won't come. If you do come out, then it will be stinking by then. And, um, <laughs> and every, oh, oh there's been another God. murder. <laughs> they found a lovely girl, but they found her dead. <laughs> And um, and we, this you poor know, band, unable to breathe. To say, <laughs> Go away! Stop telling me this. Please, no, bless him. And he just sat there, oh, you know, glad of the company. But yeah, yeah. and um, and my mum was very funnily scathing about this <laughs> neighbour. I think that's really lovely. I think it's sometimes very. We can be quite scathing of the minutiae of life and mm. be like, like you said, like, oh, I didn't do this, didn't this, whereas. I think, and you know, this is a parent, like so much of what a child wants from you is just time, mm. just want you to sit with them. And it yeah. can be so hard sometimes to be like, oh, they just want me to, we're not going to do anything, we're not going to do anything, right? We're just sitting <laughs> yes. here and you're sort of uh, holding a crayon and then being yes. like, look, crayon. It's like, oh, that's what we're That's what you think this activity is. Okay. Yeah. And I think that with parents, so, you know, older or just family, it's like, it's never about that we, we went to this fabulous thing. It's yeah. like... We sat and watched telly and they said funny things about the people on the telly. Yes. <laughs> That's why Gogglebox works. It's so right. That you is know. so true. Yes. Yeah, the sort of little quiet tender moments. And I mean, we had the the deathbed scene with my dad was, you know, the closest that we'd all been in yeah. years. And we spent and that, you know, you're forced to spend a lot of time together mm. and you do end up chatting away about sort of ridiculous things from the past which is then really nice because then you you bring up memories that you'd lost or you find out about stuff you never knew and there was a lot of that that you know I think dad taking his time to die was um considerate in its own way as (laughs) well because you know it did give us time with mum and and she knew that he was safe and being cared for Mm. so she could sort of relax a little bit and um so you're all round the bed when he died then? Well, no, the awful thing that happened was, so my dad, they had told us that the end was nigh mm. uh, so many times. I mean, actually, when he when his hip got infected, then they said, that's, you know, prepared yeah. for the end then. And I'd, I can't remember where I was, but I'd, you know, dashed back and we'd all dashed in and then he rallied which was great so we started to get a little bit right. sort of uh, sure Morris sure. Yeah, okay. yeah. All right, he's <laughs> off again. but so yeah the we were called into hospital and they said right this is uh, we think he's going to go tonight and two weeks later wow we are still there and oh so we had this um yeah sort of very intense couple of weeks of it just i mean he wasn't getting any better but they were like well he, his heart is incredible he's just still going <laughs> like everything else <laughs> is and he was not conscious wow. we'd had i mean he had been he was heavily medicated anyway but so we we hadn't really had a sort of last mm. moment because it had been a crisis when he was brought in and then he never really kind of came back to again um but so yeah we were there for a very very long time and then um eventually and we sort of would go and come and go and come and he died when we 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 nipped home and then he died when we weren't there. It's again, you know, say I've what you like about so my parents. Times, but, yeah. Yeah, that, I've had so many times, yeah. I've had so many times people say, mm. oh, we were there so long, we were there, we were there, we were there. Mm. And then we went. And I think, as you know, now, before I had a child, I think I would have been like, oh, I don't understand. But now I think, yeah, maybe you don't want your child to have yes, to deal with that. Yes, yes, And you know there's a nurse and a doctor whose job it is. Yeah. 
to deal with that. So you feel like, yeah, I'm safe. I can die here and they don't have to... Yeah, I'll just get get this done while they... Yeah, uh... come in and be frightened by it. It can be, yeah, I think it's it's so common. It's like, I can't tell how many times people have said, I only left the room to... But I just, you're like, yeah. yeah, I don't think they wanted you there. No, no, and I mean, it is, it, it's sort of odd to think that I haven't seen the passing of either of them, really. But I think that is what they would have wanted. No, yeah. I mean, very much their personalities in life were wanting to spare us of any difficulty or unpleasantness. Yeah. So I kind of think, yeah, that is totally in keeping yeah. with, um, you know, with with what they would have wanted. The thing that really struck me about when my dad died, actually, was that it was so hard. It was such a difficult process. And he seemed, and we didn't know, but he seemed to be in pain at times Mm. and distress. And it was so awful. And it did remind me, like, when my husband said about watching me in labour and that feeling of helplessness. And I just want, there's nothing I can do, Mm. but I know you need to kind of get through this on your own. And it was exactly that with my dad that I felt like... We were doing whatever we could do, but it's impossible to know in that situation yeah, what the best thing to do yeah. is really or what they're feeling or how, how things are going. And, um, yeah, and it did sort of feel like, yeah, that, that impotence and that sense of hopelessness. <clears throat> he probably, or, you know, it feels like he sort of knew that that was going on and just wanted yeah, to Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing, like, your love, your love for someone doesn't disappear. And I think... The labour analogy is quite good, actually, because, you know, having having been in labour, like, mm. there's nothing they can do, but it's nice that they're there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I think when you're that... <laughs> you'd be angry if they were Yeah, you'd be really <laughs> angry if they were like, you don't really need me. You'd be like, it seems like I don't. Uh, and it's the same with your dad. It's like you being there for two weeks. It's like, however useless you feel, yeah, that presence must get through. I can't believe it doesn't somehow get through. I know. And I mean, you know, let's just think it does and yeah. you know, be happy with <laughs> yeah. that. I'm very... I, the one thing that I have sort of realised recently is I'm very happy to delude myself and mm. to have those moments. And I am not, not? Uh, someone with a very rich spiritual life, I would say. <laughs> yeah. But um, I'm very happy to say, you know, oh, thanks, Mum, when something goes my way. Yeah, or, you know, yeah. because I think it's harmless... A bit of harmless hokum. Yeah, yeah. Because my mum and dad were very religious. Oh, my goodness. And so that was kind of interesting. Both Catholic? Both Catholic. Well, my mum converted, but yeah, my dad was very devout, very devout Catholic. And I mean, our whole family on the um, Irish side, very, very religious. And it is interesting to see. I think I had always been a lot more dismissive than I am now about the comfort of religion. Mm. But having said that, I think I also now do feel like the guilt or worry or fear that it might provoke is also... Yeah. (laughs) You know, there's no right answer, really. I just think... I mean, the sheer fact of having a religion, I think, really helps in hospital because you have a chaplain and you have someone who comes. And that, I really... We had this Australian nun. I think she was actually an Anglican nun, but we weren't in a position to... We were like, she's a nun, that'll do. (laughs) Um, and it was brilliant because it's just someone else who is advocating for you. And she was very, you know, no, not since Australian. She was like, come on then, let's get this bed sorted out. <laughs> you know, was as well as being spiritually helpful, yeah, was quite practically yeah. helpful. So that, I think, is a is a great asset of the uh, religious types. I think with all things, it's like even with death, it's like there's a positive and a negative. Like, there's, it's complex. Mm. And I've had that from talking to people that I think religion can offer such a good structure you know such a good like this is what we say when this is happening and we can say this prayer when they die and and I am here to offer this and when you are losing someone it it feels so mad and just insane and what the fuck is going on especially they've been ill for a long time I think it's just just watching someone in pain is just oh and it's nice to have sort of a a slightly not dispassionate it's not the word but you know a less involved third party in the room because, you know, as long as they know when to retire, yeah, then it yeah. does really, I think it keeps you together a little bit more yeah. effectively. As long as they're not like hand on the head being like, be gone, you evil yeah. demons. <laughs> cool, yes. stay in the room. Yeah. Yes, yes, not trying to cleanse them with fire at the final <laughs> moment. But, yeah. yeah, but then not equally it can... Yeah, it can cause... I remember the, the episode with Ishan Akbar where he was saying about um, being Muslim and how like the, you know, the rituals have been amazing, but then when there's a sort of time limit in in Islam of like, well, now the grieving stops. Yeah. You have this ceremony. He was like, but I didn't feel like I wanted to stop. So I think it's really interesting. Like these rules can be so helpful when they work. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I think you have to have the ability to go, okay, it's, 
I don't need the guilt. Yes. <laughs> I don't yes. need to feel like I should pay penance for not doing... The yeah. slight thing that I felt was that there was a bit of worry from both my mum and dad about whether they'd been good enough and whether they yeah. would, you know, that as well oh, as God. the anxiety about dying, there's also that That's so worry hard. about have I done enough? You're and like, I, you want to be like, yes, of course you have. Yeah, Look at you. Well, no, well, we were saying that to my yeah. mum because she was sort of, when my dad died, she was quite explicitly saying, oh, I don't know if I've been a very good Catholic and... We were very keen to reassure. And also, and in fairness, everyone in the church also mm. was in... You, you had know. it from official sources. Yeah, exactly. Just a good Catholic. Not just <laughs> from you. Had the Pope been consulted, <laughs> yeah, I suspect yeah. he would have said, yep, yeah, you're good, you're yeah. good, Rita. Because you saying it, yeah, it's like... Yeah, this, this sort of slightly lapsed weird <laughs> daughter. It wasn't quite uh, quite what they wanted to Yeah. But, so, um, so that was just a year ago when your mum died, is that right? Uh, yeah, so we had, well, a year and a year, year and a half. A year and a half ago. And how was that first anniversary? Like, did you feel... Um, or do you still think you're still reeling from this three years? Of... I don't know. It did feel like we've gone a year without, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> without yeah. death. I know that sounds awful. but it No, wasn't. the relief. Because this is what we had, you know. My grandparents died, my dad died, my grandpa died. Then, like, a load of great aunts and great uncles died. And I remember my mum said one year, she was like, it's the first year we haven't had a funeral, mm. like a couple of years afterwards. And it was like, you know, we made this joke of like, you know, you had the funeral outfit ready to go. Yeah, it's like yeah, The dress yes. is ready. And it, I'm there, babes. What do you need? <laughs> have you called the, you know, you know, the funeral directors. You see, oh, hi, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, I don't order those sandwiches. We had them at last one. I know. Do you know the practicalities of it all? <laughs> yeah. Where you are absolutely like, in fact, when my dad died, I was driving back from the hospital and I had Woman's Hour on the radio and Emma Freud was on. Oh, yes, yes. Has been on. And she was talking about, they randomly, weirdly, were doing a thing about funerals oh, and they amazing. had on um, a female funeral director yeah. and, they had, and they had Emma Freud on talking about funerals. And it was really, I must thank her personally, yeah. which I um, haven't, but she, it was so comforting because she was so knowledgeable and she said I've done this and this is how it is and this is what you feel and this is you know things I think you should avoid and it was such a great comfort and practically so helpful and I do feel you know there is a gift that you give to people of going listen if you're looking for a catholic funeral (laughs) I can help you through babes I got it I know the nuns (laughs) I know the priests yeah Yeah. those mass cards I know because we were really helped by those amazing did you notice how uncatholic I was I was like, I don't know what else happens at Catholic funerals. The Hail Mary one. Yeah, yeah, we had a woman from the church who was unbelievable, who just kind of took it all in hand and did all the, you know, the order of service and everything. And it was, yeah, you you do feel like you're very well looked after. The coroners were amazing as well when my mum died. Um, I think you really remember the people where you go, you were amazing at your job and really sensitive and kind yet efficient and you got it done. Um, So yeah, Harrow Coroner's Office, big shout (laughs) out. Shout out out to Harrow (laughs) Coroner. If you're listening, guys, just want to say a big thank you. This tune's for you. Doing what you're doing. Uh, (laughs) Keep looking after those people that aren't here and checking out why they went. Uh, uh, This is Wham's Last Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) Just for the Harrow Coroner's. But you do, you appreciate that. I think you, become we've talked about you become so raw that anybody who's kind yeah it goes deeper than it normally does so you don't you don't go oh thanks you're like thank you yeah thank you be prepared to be cried on because i've got a lot of tears ready to (laughs) go go. and emma did the live episode and she also wrote an article of you having this live about funerals and again just that very practical advice like she says in the live episode but like you can have the funeral directors come to you you don't have to go to them and have it at your house with your mugs and your tea Mm. and talk about what you want and she was like something as simple as that when you're in the midst of craziness can make you feel like okay that wasn't a horrible experience I didn't have to go into a funeral directors and look at coffins and be like oh my you know all of that triggering stuff yes that's so true and it's yeah it's really that because we joke about it so much, but there's so much admin. There's so much yeah. admin, especially when people are old and you have to sell the house and the probate and then organising funerals yeah. and all of that stuff. It's huge, And then it? all of the sort of emotional work of, um, you know, what you do with their stuff. I mean, and that is something that I think, because I've, I've talked about this, this is sort of the, the show that I'm doing at the moment for stand-up is kind of, a lot of it is about that emotional wrench of mm. getting rid of hideous ornaments and things yeah, that, or just stuff they use yes. like you know that no one's ever going to use that yeah. you know that 
cloth for cleaning their glasses yeah. is completely disgusting yeah. but like it meant it was so useful to them yes and so if you had that like objects that you're like heartbreaking to put in the bin yeah well my sisters and I are both well we're all hoarders um, <laughs> hence celebrity hoarders yes that's my very uh I mean I I love stuff and so we have found it very difficult to let anything go mm. so my sister's house I mean I am the messy one right. of the three of us. So my sister's taking quite a lot of stuff, but it's all beautifully arranged in her house and it looks really nice. And I have taken the sort of weird china <laughs> dogs and <laughs> clowns and they just pop up. So my mum had this horrific china, um, glass clown. That, that sounds already horrific. To, I mean, it yeah. is. It's just the worst thing. <laughs> but it was sort of quite a thing for us yeah. as a family and there was loads of stuff my mum loved knickknacks she just loved little things mm. and so it's been very difficult and what I don't want is for my kids to have to then throw all this stuff yeah, away when I die yeah. so it feels like there has to be a gradual letting go process but I think to be fair I'm still oh, maintaining yeah. my right to have as many glass rounds <laughs> and pot dogs and doilies I mean you know I've got this, everything comes on a doily in my yeah. house at the moment this bedroom will be filled with glass clowns <laughs> and no one shall say anything about it yes. until I'm Welcome finished my to process the guest room. <laughs> nobody you're, stays here anymore oh my god yeah I think you're you're well within your rights like I'd say you know with I took my mum ages like the house now there's is is my mum's house you mm. know like but there was just stuff for ages like bits and pieces and papers and stuff like and I think it's really important to be someone who does your own editing as you go yeah. because that is what you can do if you love your family that's mm. like one thing you can do is like not keep everything so they don't yes. have to go through everything yes. but then again I say that and I think you know so maybe if you are a keeper of everything like you said your mum loved knickknacks you love knickknacks you're like yeah I'll have these little bits yeah. and pieces like I mean I think the well the, my daughter has expressed a great love of some of these things Aww. as well which I sort of feel is quite sweet that it's yeah. passing down the family line so I'm like well maybe I can just keep it all and then she'll <laughs> have it and it'll be fine well yeah there's clearly my well, my grandmother eventually like who lived a, I think uh, yeah she was 100 when she died yeah. um, and my uncle was we were we me and my brother were at her house and my uncle was help sort of clearing it out and they found this box of stuff my aunt and uncle and they were like oh we don't know what this is and me and my brother were like that's a um, little thing that used to have soap on that went on top of the desk that went next to his pen and it's like because we were children yes. we were aware of all the crap yeah that I think as an adult you're like well I don't and they were going what what do you mean I said that used to have a pink soap on it it used to be in the bathroom you know it's like when you're at your yeah. grandparents' house you just stare at all the shit <laughs> oh I remember it all yeah no yeah. The, the coal tar soap that my yeah. my granddad's things that he used to keep his sleeves up these sort oh, of yeah, weird metal things and metal I loved those yeah. and when he died I said that was what I wanted and everyone was like what the, yeah. you're a because 15 no year old girl <laughs> what did you want with these these sleeves are big guys and I need some help <laughs> yes. it was the 90s we had big sleeves what can I say <laughs> but that's the thing is like little things mean different things to different people you know mm. and I, I was surprised at the things that I was like oh yeah no I I can see that on a shelf I know where it was and what it meant to my grandparents and it's it doesn't it's such a bit of tat if anyone else saw it they'd think the fuck is yeah, that I but know. that glass clown and also luckily I'm not the yeah I'm not the type to be house proud and so my <laughs> house is such a mess anyway I think people just think it's in keeping and the lovely thing about being a comedian as well oh yeah so people think oh she's just, it's an eccentric <laughs> little quirk of her personality so it's fine she likes clowns <laughs> and mess she's so quirky <laughs> yeah. that's what like, I've been trading on for a long yeah, time like, yeah fine. quirky that's, that's me kooky if you will <laughs> um, but yeah it's it's just that yeah the sifting through of everything mm. and the timing of also with siblings you know again we've been very lucky that we don't we haven't had any fallings out over anything but uh, you know I know lots of people who've had oh huge issues I think also we what I've learned from this program is if there's issues beforehand yeah they'll be magnified by the death mm -hmm. same mm -hmm. as with having a baby like if there's problems beforehand and you have a baby it will just probably magnify <laughs> yes. those things that are already there yeah. and I think that's what death does it's like if there's already stuff in the family that's kind of rocky 
take out a couple of older generation to, who yes. kept people in check and people mm. were polite because they didn't want to upset them or, you know, they'd known them since they were babies so they felt some kind of respect. Yes. <laughs> Level it with just siblings. <laughs> Whoa, yeah. That could be tough. Warfare. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But if it's kind of respectful beforehand, I think that can really help. It does feel, yeah, like the older generation are the referees, definitely. Oh, definitely. Was, well, I found that there was, because, you know, mum and dad it was quite quick that they both died and there was stuff that I thought gosh you know like not for me so much I think for my sister because she felt that her career because she became a doctor which was sort of what my dad had wanted to do and had never done so I think she felt that she was living his dream a little bit and I think it when they died she felt like oh do I want to do this job anymore yeah and I was a bit like oh I I sort of felt like oh I you know I Again, I sort of thought, God, maybe I should become religious again because that did sort of get me <laughs> thinking about, well, they've both died and they were the mm. religious ones. And there's, you know, the, like my kids are going to have no link to Catholicism whatatsoever. Mm. Is that a good or a bad thing or whatever? And it was, yeah, definitely you think the removal of that layer. And then that was it because my mum's side, my, my her sister, she only had one sister, so my auntie had died a few years before. And so then it felt like, God, I, I've got together with my cousins and we were like, oh, God, we're the That's older it. generation. Yeah. We are the village elders to yeah. whom people come for yeah. wisdom and inspiration. And we got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> we still feel like we're the children. Why did they leave us? I know. That's weird, though, because then do you think, I sort of think, wow, I wonder if they felt like that. Yeah, oh, God, they yeah. felt like, oh, God, why are they all looking at us? Yeah. Am I supposed to know what's happening? <laughs> I think generationally, I don't know. Yeah, it is interesting because I don't, I've never talked to my mum about that. Yeah. And she never to me, expressed the same degree of worry about um, or insecurity about her role. Mm. Whereas I think I openly was like with her, I don't, I'm not ready to have children, I'm only in my 40s. Yeah, not, you know. yeah that generation gap between your daughter and theirs is very different, isn't it, of like what was expected mm. of them and what was, yeah, I think they were more comfortable with, I had a family and, I, you know, I raised them and I've made a house. That's yes. what I'm supposed to do. Yes. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. That's Whereas it. we're like, well, we got told we could do anything. <laughs> oh, God, the pressure. <laughs> so I could do anything. Yeah. Shit. Shit. I've made all the wrong choices. Yeah, Maybe yeah. I can go back and I'll do an open university degree and change everything. That's <laughs> I'm going to become a nun, an Australian think, nun. Well, I mean, you know, there's a lot to be said for being an Australian nun, having seen it close up. Yeah, I she mean, looked like she was yeah. having a good time. There is a lot to be said. But, yeah, I think in it as a midlife orphan... And I've spoken to other midlife authors. Yeah, I was going to say, this. how it do you feel once you've... It frees up. Yeah. In a way, you sort of think... I mean, I was very lucky because I did do what I wanted to do mm. without my mum and dad's disapproval. And they didn't love what I did, but they tolerated it and they were very <laughs> supportive. Uh, but I think people who have had a tough time with their parents yeah. not liking their you know, family setup or their job or whatever, I think it can be actually quite liberating to go, right, now it's just me and I yeah. get to call the shots. That's what my my husband's lost both his parents and he said that as, I think, he, yeah, he was about in his late 30s when that happened and he was said, you know, obviously he was devastated and he said, but you know what, I don't have to worry anymore. Yeah. I'm not worrying about yeah. them or how they are. Are they going to be okay? What should we do? Where Do we need to get that for them? And, you know, all those responsibilities that happen once yeah. your parent becomes more vulnerable than they were. And he's like, I don't have to worry about anyone. Like, I could I could go anywhere and do anything. Well, like, and no, no one can tell me off. That's it. That's it. Yeah. You're your own boss. Finally. Yeah. I know. I mean, I had terrible, terrible guilt because when mum... So she was going to be living around the corner from us and I had sort of mentally prepared for the fact that my life now is going to be largely about I will need to see mum every day and Mm. I will need to be taking her to hospital appointments and you know because so much of when someone's in their 80s it is all medical and there's preventing them from falling over and doing all of that stuff and then when she died I was like oh god I've got to reframe all my expectations and part of that was thinking well now like you know my children are getting older and I can think about my career again, which yeah. I haven't, honestly. Like, my career had become about number four on the list. Yeah, yeah. And, and I was quite happy with that. And, you know, I've, I've always been someone who works to live rather than the other way around. Yeah. But um, I suddenly went, oh, God, actually, this is sort of 
freeing me up and mm. then all had the crushing guilt of like oh god but I'd much rather she was here and I, you of know of course of course it's not like but it but you don't have the choice like you it's yeah. not like you push the button and <laughs> said actually I could really do an Edinburgh show next year so mm. yes. like you didn't make that choice but it's totally human to be able to see the options of the choice and I think mm. we're so harsh on ourselves we're like oh my god I'm a bad person but it's like but the op- that's true. You now can do things that you couldn't do in the same way that you wouldn't have felt guilty when she was alive saying, well, I'm going to put my career down to number six yeah. so that I can make sure she's now, you know, number two after my children. You wouldn't have felt bad then. So why should it feel bad when it just gets reorganised? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we're so harsh on ourselves of like, that means I wanted her. And it's like, to die. And it's like, you, did, you didn't. You yeah. didn't. It's just no. the consequence of that action yeah, yeah. of her dying is... Yeah, you can do, you're not having to be somewhere every day and check if someone's okay. And the consequence of that is it's very sad yes. <laughs> that you're not able to check on them. Like, it doesn't take and away the sadness. And you do see, yeah, because uh, where I live is very much, there's a, a large population of women who look exactly like my mum. Oh, So yeah. is there's one woman who I swear is just doing it to wind me up. <laughs> it's like, why did you buy a red coat? My mum had a red coat. You've got the same hair and Everything. the same coat. And yeah. I just always get a bit weepy when I see her and almost want to go up and talk to her and then think that would be, <laughs> the weirdest, most inappropriate thing to do, but um, yeah, it's a uh, the ones that look like them are, are hard. Yeah. It's really hard. Well, Lucy, thank you so much for um, talking to me. Thank you very much for having me. And I do honestly feel that I have um, not cried. I've been tearful. I've been damp. You've at been damp, um, but not having fully wept. <laughs> um, you know, again, it's not a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It's, about, yeah. it's just a thing, and yeah. I'm quite surprised. So, thank you for that. Oh, I've really, okay. I've really enjoyed it, and you know that it, it really helps. Thank you, lovely. To talk. It really does, and I do. Now I'm going to go because <laughs> now <laughs> you saved it to the end. end. I know, but it does. It does. That's just the most important thing, isn't it? It's yeah. just you know, it's such a privilege to find someone who wants to listen to you talk about your grief, and yeah. you know, but actually, most people would be very willing to do that. So. Yeah, I think they would. Mm. I think, you, especially if you, yeah, you say, I'm just going to be a bit damp. Yeah, I know. I'm, <laughs> I'm just, not, yeah. Literally just damp. It's like I've just come out of the swamp, the pond. Uh. <laughs> it can't be a group class without some damp. That's fine. No. Well, thank you for talking to me about Rita and Morris and Julia as well. Thank you. They sound pretty awesome. They really are. You can follow Lucy on Twitter at Lucy Porter Comic. And if you want to see her live, check out her Twitter. She'll probably be tweeting about where she's performing. And I said she's absolutely brilliant live, so go and see her. I've already told you the beginning stuff, but the usual. You can follow us on Twitter at The Griefcast and Instagram at The Griefcast. You can email thegriefcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, you are not alone. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started 